Hi, hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Mo Video Games Podcast. As you may have noticed, we have had a slight delay in schedule due to me being absent for many weeks. It is 100% my fault, so if you're going to flame anyone, be sure to flame me and not Maxwell. Either way, we're back. We got tech news. Soundtracks sadly will not continue today, but you know what? Next week, we're going to be talking about them. I know it. I can feel it in my bones, and I know you're excited, but CES happened um, over the holidays, and Maxwell has a bunch of delightful tech news as well as a couple games that he's been playing lately, so please enjoy the episode. Chocolate. Chocolate! Hello. What's up, Maxwell? <laughs> Not much. You know, just uh, drinking chocolate here on this uh, evening edition of the Mo Video Games podcast. Deluxe evening edition activated. Yeah, it's been not that long in podcast world since we've done it because it was only two or three podcasts ago we had our last evening edition. So the frequency it's is increasing, up. which means the quality is going up. Going down. <laughs> Oh, big sip chocolate. 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 But happy new year, Oliver. Happy new year to you as well. 2022 coming for you. Recording on 111, so you know it's the first day of the first <laughs> month of the first hour of 2022. It, this is our year. This is our year. Right here. Right here. Do you know why? No. I was hoping you did, because I don't know why. <laughs> Someone pull up the script. Okay, uh, I'm done with that. I'm done with that joke. I'm moving on. No more script jokes. Rest of the podcast. Thank God. Um but no, there is a lot of tech to discuss. Um because CES happened and a few weeks since our last podcast happened. And those That's are it. the reasons, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot to unpack from those. Um, so I guess we'll start off with what you're drinking, Oliver. Thirsty Miner Chocolate Stout, stout brewed with cacao powder and water. <laughs> the unheard of beverage. Are chocolate stouts normally brewed with cocoa powder? Is that how they get the chocolate? I don't know, but they're so fucking proud of it that they say it twice on the bottle, so or the can. So <laughs> I don't get it, but I figured, you know what? I think I said this before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna drink more seasonally now. As in I drink every season. Um <laughs> <laughs> How is it? Uh, it's good. I mean, I'm not a stout guy, but like I yeah. Trying to trying to fit with the winter, right? Stouts and porters in the winter sounds like what people normally do. So it's pretty good. It's not too sweet. That's the big thing. I feel like stouts normally end up like I'm either worried that they secretly have caffeine from tasting like coffee, <laughs> uh, so I avoid those. You're worried like that they have a caffeine? chocolatey mess. I want to go to bed. I already sleep so poorly. I don't need more bad sleep technology in my body. But alcohol is a depressant. As I drink beer, it's a <laughs> it. They counteract, you know. So when you're done, you feel nothing. Exactly. You just get more sober the more you drink. That's a fact. You take that to the bank. But, disclaimer, <laughs> that's not true. We don't condone that on the Mo Video Games yeah. podcast. But, it is true. And if I learned anything from uh, watching one of my buddies play Rocket League drunk, don't drink and drive. Especially in the digital world. <laughs> Amen to that. When uh, <laughs> when I was an RA, we had the police come with drunk goggles and like give a speech on alcohol and drunk driving and stuff. But then we got to play Mario Kart with the drunk goggles. And uh, oh, that must have been a clown fiesta. It was a clown fiesta. It was a lot of fun, and it told us, "Don't do it. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> you are not better. In fact, nope. some would say you're worse." <laughs> <laughs> Quick soapbox from the Mo Video Games podcast. Yeah, we love them. We I got tons of soapboxes in the, in here. You just wait. I've thrown all mine away. It's New oh. Year, New You. I'm proud. No more soaps. I'm not bathing. This well, you threw the soap year. away. You could still have the soapboxes. 
I think it's the opposite, but yes. <laughs> little dove cardboard box that had a singular soap in it. I'll wash myself with the box. Um, what is your quest? And by quest, I mean, what games have you been playing recently? Well, I've only been back for like a day. So I played League and Rocket League. Shocker, shocker. Um, what have you been playing, Maxwell? <laughs> That's the end of that conversation. Um, I, over the holiday break, completed. Well, I shouldn't say completed. I defeated uh, Deathloop. Um, I did not 100% complete it or platinum trophy it. But I did beat the story. And uh, let me tell you, it's a good one. Do you care to elaborate more? Um, you know, if you really want to know, you can go over to the Maxwellus Gaming YouTube channel and see my year in review 2021 where I discussed that <laughs> loop a little bit. But I suppose I could indulge because uh, no one's going to watch that. And uh, I, I so in my review, I called it my game of the year and of 2022 (laughs) yeah no i actually completed it all in 2021 um not a single second of it has been played in 2022 Uh, but i i think i still stand by that and keep in mind i played both hollow knight and ori and the will of the wisps in 2021 um but deathloop just it it was a really unique concept. I know we've talked about this, Oliver, so that's why I'm saying pretty high level, but it's it's a really unique concept, um, or at least a uniquely executed concept, like looping mechanics like through the same days and that kind of stuff happens, and like people invading your game happens. But the way it was all brought together and utilized was really smart. There's essentially four areas of the world, and there are four times of day. So you can during each time of day visit a different area or visit the same place multiple times but each area changes dramatically each time of day so instead of like four areas it's really like 16 areas um and each time you go back at a different time of day you discover something completely new and interesting and it was just constantly surprising me in really positive ways the gameplay was super fun and gave you a lot of options both from how the world design was to the actual abilities and weapons that you had um, and your ability to kind of upgrade things and keep them in kind of that roguelike um, mechanic of keeping some of the things each time you die or end of the day and loop back to the beginning of the next day and stuff. So the soundtrack's awesome. The art direction, the set design, everything looks super cool. It's very smartly put together. And there are still so many secrets and side stories and stuff that I want to see. The the thing I, I talked about was the world doesn't feel like it revolves around you. It feels like you are kind of in this world that's happening whether you're there or not. Um, so you'll stumble across things that are completely unrelated to you or the main quest, but are really interesting and you kind of want to investigate further and stuff. And that's that's when I think world is done really well, um, when it kind of feels like you're just in a tourist in the world and not the the main event. Um, so, yeah, that's my my quick, quick and dirty on Deathloop. Delightful. I highly recommend it. Um, second game. I've been playing. Well, everyone knows Forza Horizon 5 is in there. I've really lost a lot of my interest in that game, though. Like, that game has fallen off real quick. Like, I'll I'll check back every week just to see if there's some new car or something that I want to get. But for the most part, I'm just kind of like, meh. It, it still doesn't run super well for me. And some of that's just because I don't have a new GPU, which is, like, boo, woe is me. But, like... It's kind of frustrating that I don't get really good performance on the game. Uh, the online is still wonky. I haven't. I don't have any new updates on how the online is going or what kind of updates they did. But I don't think they really did much because they basically said the develop, development team is going on holiday and they want them to be able to enjoy time with their friends and family. So they weren't going to be working on it. So as far as I know, the state of the game hasn't really changed that much. So, yeah. There's that, but I think it just hit like 15 million players or something like that. I'm assuming that's people who have played the game, not concurrent, um, but reaching an audience of 15 million. Hard to complain about that, although pretty, pretty 
easy when you think about the fact that it's on Game Pass. So a lot of people probably just opened it up to see what it's about. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And but the one I'm more excited to talk about is Returnal. Oh, oh. So I started playing that game after Deathloop. Uh, PS5 exclusive, another roguelike. Um, but this one, you the emphasis is much more on you dying um, and constantly learning. So it, it essentially you are this astronaut, Celine, and you crash land on this place, this planet, and you're trying to figure out where the signal is coming from and figure out a way to get out of there. And you quickly die and kind of come back and realize that oh you're stuck in this loop and blah 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 and so you're going through and the enemies get harder and you fight bosses and all this kind of stuff and you maintain some things each time you die and learn a little bit more and um make your way through the game it's supposed to be more challenging death loop is more about unearthing the story which is really good as you go through it the returnal is more about gaining skills and abilities to better beat the game um it's more of a punishing probably more traditional roguelike where Deathloop has roguelike elements in it i suppose you could say um but it's ps5 exclusive so it takes full advantage of the dual sense it is i had in my notes that the dual sense or dual sense usage is incredible um i've played it with 3d audio um but not fully so the, the problem is like i i partially want to capture some gameplay footage and you the, the way the ps5 is set up is in order to get capture game audio the audio has to go through the hdmi cable which means it goes into the capture card so by the time i'm listening to it i'm losing a lot of the features and i think 3d audio is one of the features um that you lose in that scenario uh, which is unfortunate, but I did play some gameplay without capturing the audio and actually having it go through the the headset, the Pulse 3D headset that's on the the PS5 back there, and that was pretty cool. It did. I I felt at some of it was placebo, which is always a, a given with anything like that, but it definitely felt pretty cool and easy to kind of pinpoint where sounds were coming from. Um, and the gameplay I wrote Doom esque. Um, because Doom is very fast-paced, emphasis on running around and constantly being mobile while you're shooting enemies, and it's a very similar premise in Returnal. You're basically running, dashing, uh, you get iframes when you dash, so you're incentivized to dash through the, the bullet hell um, of all these enemy projectiles that are constantly coming at you in different ways. And some enemies, as I'm getting further in it, are, have more traversal abilities. They can teleport. They get more difficult and stuff. And so far, I've been in two worlds. I don't know how many worlds there are total, but the environments look pretty cool. It's very sci-fi, kind of paranormally quasi-horror-esque. Um, but yeah, I'm liking it so far. For, for a punishing game like that, I think having gone through Hollow Knight... And then also Deathloop and stuff like that has definitely primed me to be more interested in Returnal and and try a little bit more. So I've enjoyed going back to it. Nice. Yeah. Definitely doesn't seem yeah like a game I would have expected you to play three years ago. So very true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have. I like to think that with this podcast and um, my YouTube and all these gaming things that I've broadened my gaming horizons you know and that's honestly that's kind of what i'm excited about like when we do these podcasts and stuff is just like getting to discuss games and and through the people that listen and kind of reach out and stuff and hear their opinions and, and understand why certain people like certain games and what aspects they connect to and what they didn't like about it and stuff is like with most things in life if you talk to a bunch of people you can gain a lot of really interesting perspectives and broaden your horizons but i just like to Shocker. stick to gaming i keep the rest of my life very narrow focused so hell yeah all I've learned from the podcast is that everyone agrees my gaming taste is crap, which got to deal with the truth, even if it hurts sometimes. So, dude, that's just because Dark you're, Soul sucks. You're off the <laughs> mainstream, sucks. bro. You're just yeah, I don't play one of the most popular esports titles in the world, but exactly, exactly. You're just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a fair point, but outside of that. Dark Souls is pretty popular. 
I'm pretty sure it's just I think I've it's magically selected a friend group that nichely is... popular. Like if oh, you're so a it's... hardcore gamer, Dark Souls is is a game you enjoy. And I think like for me the concept of Dark Souls is really cool, but I don't enjoy playing Dark Souls. So like you you can you can like the idea of something and not like it inherently. That's fair. I'll give you that. Like water chestnuts, interesting concept. Hate them. Uh, terrible. You are. I like water chestnuts. <laughs> Thank you. And that's discourse. <laughs> we have brought into our horizons now. Um, yeah, got anything else? Dark Souls is a good game. That's all I have for tech news. <laughs> I'll just start saying that for my tech news every week. Hell yeah. Eventually Stop. it'll be true. Stop the Soulsborne hate. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting, I'm interested to see what happens with Elden Ring when it comes out. Because it's, I know there's a lot of people who have been saying, oh, I don't play Dark Souls or Souls-like. Um, even though that term is absolute crap. Uh, but yeah, I don't play Souls-like, but Elden Ring looks like it's going to be different. And I am just waiting for it to not be that different and people to all be really upset when they just realize they are playing another FromSoft uh, Souls game. Because that's what it's going to be. So it It looks like a Soulsborne game. Like yeah. graphically, like the art direction looks a little different, but all the gameplay I've seen looks like Dark Souls. Looks like Soulborn, yeah. And it looks like you can't even get away with uh like now that terrain is destructible and stuff like that, you can't even get away with some of the cheese that is pretty popular <laughs> in Soulsborn. You know, like you get oh, this guy's too tall to walk through this doorway. Perfect. I'll just uh poke him to death from the other side of the doorway <laughs> so he can't hit me. Nah, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get free breaks like that, it sounds like in Elden Ring. Or at least not as many, so very excited for that game to come out. Um, that, do you have uh, any games this year that you're most pumped for? Most pumped for? Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I've actually been looking at a lot of stuff for Horizon. Um, like I've been watching some kind of catch up on the story and stuff to refresh my memory on kind of where things were. Cause I have a general idea, but like the very specifics of how the story went and stuff like that. So horizon is definitely like a recency bias in my head of being pumped for the forbidden West specifically. Um, and all of the trailers they're coming out with, uh, are doing nothing but getting me more hyped because the game looks incredible. Um, it seems to have a lot of depth, but most hyped for this year if i if i try to take the recency of horizon out of my head probably i mean probably god of war ragnarok i mean it's it's my top god God of war was my top game of all time so getting more of that it's gonna be good it's gonna be it has to know it's gonna be good it has to be it can't be anything but fantastic so exactly how about you? Is it Elden Ring? It's probably Elden Ring. It would be Elden yeah. Ring or uh, Ragnarok. Yeah. But I like I'm not that excited for Ragnarok in the sense that you know PS5 Slim or whatever they want to call it, it's not going to come out until I buy a PS5, and I'm really trying to hold off on buying a <laughs> PS5. So I'm just assuming I'm going to be in a silent war with Sony for the next three years, waiting for that next gen <laughs> to be dropped, even though. <laughs> They're just waiting. They're looking They're looking at my credit card history, and they're like, as soon as he pays, next day. They've had it on the shelf for months now. Like <laughs> Since launch. Yeah. They, uh, they're just waiting. They're, they're going to send some agents to your house someday and hold you at gunpoint to purchase a PS5 so they can finally release the PS5 Slim. If I thought you were joking, I wouldn't find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, if... What? You said that, right? I know I did. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Elden Ring, that uh, is one of my tech newses today. It's very minor, but in an interview, I think it was Miyazaki or whoever the, the main dude is, um, basically Miyazaki. said that the graphics team uh, felt a lot of pressure for Elden Ring when they saw Demon Souls. Uh, the remake for the PS5, um, which I think is fair because we've talked about this before. The Demon Souls remake on PS5 looks dope, Crazy. yeah, like super good, unbelievable. 
And so that's probably largely a reason why people are very excited about Elden Ring is because the graphics team felt a lot of pressure and was kind of using Demon Souls as their litmus. Miyazaki specifically hasn't played the Demon Souls remake. He said something along the lines of he doesn't want to he doesn't like playing older games he's created because it kind of brings back memories of where he was at in his life at that point. It's kind of like living in this time capsule. Um and so he's he's not a huge fan of doing that, which I thought was interesting, and I think also fair. Um, I think for a lot of people, there's like songs and stuff like that that they bring up certain memories, smells, movies, that kind of stuff. And so if you spend years, literally years, developing a game, I would have to imagine that uh, it's it's probably even more intense of a feeling. So yeah, um, so that's pretty hype. Um to i guess to see the graphics is the high part interesting that they um, (laughs) felt the pressure dying light 2 comes out very soon supposedly um and so the the developers or the the company whatever uh released proudly that it will take 500 hours to complete and everyone but yeah what's your what's your initial reaction to that news do they mean like hundred percent it? They do, yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess if doing ten percent is enough to beat the game, then maybe that's okay. But when I hear that, it makes me not want to play the game. I can tell you that much. Like, if I'm gonna play yep. Dying Light two for five hundred hours, I'm gonna beat The Witcher three fourteen times in that time frame. Not literally, <laughs> it'd probably only be like twice with how long it takes. But like, there's other games that I've been, I've been, I've been losing hype on Dying Light two for a long time, and they've they've taken so long to release it and have done a real. I mean, I don't know what's going on, right? But like the videos I see rarely get me any more excited for the game coming out and stuff like that so when they say something like that it's like that's not what's going to get people hype you could say that when dying light first came out and if they were releasing it within a year or two after that i think people would be like oh yeah i get a shit ton of dying light now but at this point i'm like no you've you've hurt me you need to come (laughs) back with something better than that so they have since amended and clarified what they meant so what i think they were trying to say is because there's so many branching storylines in Dying Light that if you were to exhaust every combination of decisions you make, it would take you 500 hours to basically say, wow, the the level of complexity we have in this game is incredible. What the actual completion time is, is around 20 hours for the main story and 80 hours if you do the main story and all of the side quests. Which is like, Much more well, reasonable. that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know who couldn't read the room and understand that gigantic, huge, long games are not what the community is all about at this moment in time um, and thought that bragging the 500 hours with no additional context was a good idea. But uh, they got some Bad. backlash. <laughs> good for them. Yeah, but, that, that sounds horrifying when I heard it originally, but... 20, 20 for a base plus up to an additional 60 for sides. That's that's reasonable. I mean, even Dying Light 1, I feel like you could waste a lot of time just messing around in that world. So, Yeah, and if they improve the quality of the quests, um, that would be awesome. Because Dying Light 1, I mean, definitely some of the side quests felt pointless at times. Um, I think there were some interesting ones. But if you a can... A lot of fetch quests. Yeah, and that's... That's something the Guerrilla Games, the developer of Horizon, has talked a lot about with Forbidden West, is they've put a lot of effort into trying to make the side quests both more interesting and meaningful. Um, so how that pans out, we will see. Um, but I don't yeah. know. I really liked in the original Horizon to go do a quest to l- listen to someone wax poetic in my face for 20 minutes straight about some story that I don't even care about at all because that's what I felt like every other quest had. It's like, drop this item off at this guy who's going to tell you his entire life backstory even though it doesn't fit into any other part of the game at all. <laughs> but now you know his story. Tim was a great guy. Yeah, if Rest it, in peace. <laughs> if it told... The, yeah, if it wasn't just literally... A character with not great facial animations just speaking at you straight up bad facial animations yeah. very frequently criticized facial <laughs> animations then 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 maybe 
like it and so if they can change that and like tell a story through the environment and through the quest and stuff that that could be interesting so that i think i think horizon forbidden west can improve a lot on zero dawn so i think forbidden west will be a better sequel than ragnarok will be but I, I I use those words intentionally. I don't. I'm not saying Forbidden West will be a better game than Ragnarok. But I think the jump from Zero Dawn to Forbidden West will be. And I mean, it. There's more development time between the two as well. Um, and I think the first God of War was already so strong um, that it's, you know, words. Oh, I know. I do. I mean, it's. I'm excited to hear that though, because I do. It is something that, like, Horizon. Zero Dawn got like a pass for me just because of the time when it came out. Like, yeah, side quests at the time were fetch quests, and that's what the standard was at the time. But if you want a good game, you want it to feel immersive, like what you were saying with Deathloop, where it's like the game makes you want to do the auxiliary parts of the game and explore the world and explore the story and explore the universe. Um, so definitely if games start doing that well, I'd imagine other games are going to follow suit. You know, they're like, oh, we can't have crappy fetch quests anymore, where it's like, uh, stole my cousin's pickaxe by accident. I need you to drop it off. <laughs> yeah, Ubisoft is just going la 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 la. <laughs> Fetch quests are so, our bread and butter, baby. So yeah, we'll we'll see. But I'm I'm with you. I definitely think there's a lot more room for improvement with uh, 80D to Forbidden West. But Ragnarok, I mean, we'll see. We don't we don't know what Santa Monica's got planned. Maybe it'll be. Who knows? Maybe you'll just control boy. Kratos is dead, even though they've shown gameplay of Kratos being in it. But he's dead. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're going to do some crazy. I think the game's going to be awesome. But it's when you take something that some people consider a masterpiece and is my favorite game of all time. It's like j- just having that hype for it certainly brings up kind of the base level of what you would think of the game because um, you're into it and you're into the lore and you want it to be successful. But it still has that much more to live up to. Where Horizon Zero Dawn. Story-wise, that's the thing I'm most worried about. Because everything else, I think they're going to improve, no question. But that story slapped, um, and I want to know. They're not going to be able to match it. I'm calling it right now. It's not going <laughs> to be as good. They they hit it home the first time. I don't see how. I mean, same universe. I, yeah, I don't. I don't see how they're going to do it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, but yeah, I'm with you. At least for us, because I think for us, we're specifically interested in the the twist that's unveiled, like the the world (laughs) twist that's unveiled is like something that both of us are like super into and excited about. And that that I don't think that type of twist can happen again. Um, Same. So that alone, I think, kind of makes it more difficult. But I could be standing here corrected a couple months from now when I've completed Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, hopefully we'll see um so i guess that starts bringing me into ces tell and me more maxwell let's start on the ps5 train so this actually isn't ces but sony at ces unveiled new tvs that are I don't know if they describe them as built for the PS5, but they are basically built for the PS5 and to take advantage of the fact that they're in the same ecosystem with Sony and all this kind of stuff and they control the hardware and software. Um, But these particular TVs are equipped with VRR, aka variable refresh rate, which is not something too uncommon for TVs that have HDMI 2.1. But the fact that it is made for the PS5 and it is Sony and VRR if you didn't know variable refresh rate is a really cool great technology it like g-sync from nvidia is an example of variable refresh rate but it basically allows the display and the device that's outputting the the video to sync up their refresh rates um because what can happen if this is if the tv is always at a perfect 60 hertz refresh rate and the pc or console is pushing out 59 58 60 60 59 58 every once in a while when there's that little idiosyncrasy and the the gap in there you'll get some 
artifacts and maybe tearing and stuff on the screen or it might hold a frame back and you might see just a quick little hitch in the video but vrr if those two can sync up and you're constantly refreshing the screen the same time you're refreshing the image that's going on there it can smooth a lot of that out so even if you're not getting a perfect 60 frames per second perfect 30 frames per second whatever fps you're playing at it smooths a lot of that out so it's a really powerful technology especially if you have a really demanding game Xbox Series X has this. The PS5 does not. The good news is that can be added theoretically with firmware updates. And so long story short, people are hypothesizing, and I kind of, I stand in this because it it makes sense for Sony to make this happen for the PS5. But now that they have those TVs coming out with VRR, that there will likely be a firmware software update for the PS5 that will enable VRR, which would be great. Um, Not great for me because my PS5 is hooked up to my uh, computer monitor through the capture card and the capture card does not have HDMI 2.1. So it would lose all of its variable refresh rate capabilities through there. Um, So that's a little disappointing, I suppose. Um, But why is me i have a capture card and a ps5 so my life's hard <laughs> um, i agree yeah but it, 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 cool technology especially for most people that aren't in that setting of, of using a capture card so that's cool but the thing i am very excited about and what might be one of my bigger tech purchases this year if it comes out this year might not come out this year playstation vr dose it was given a more in-depth look at CES and uh, alongside it was the announcement that it will release with Horizon Call of the Mountain. So a VR game developed by Guerrilla Games and Fire Sprite, I believe is the the other studio they're working in conjunction with. Fire Sprite having more experience with VR and Guerrilla being the Horizon Gorilla. universe. Being Guerrilla. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they... Uh, so that that's pretty cool. It was just a quick teaser, but like the the thought of like having VR in the Horizon world is pretty cool, especially with dope. like the scale of the like the, the the they showed a tall neck like walking over you. It was like the quick teaser. <laughs> That'd um, be so cool, and it looks super cool. Um, so that's exciting. I I listened to Digital Foundry's thoughts on this as well, and VR on the PC side has really like Half Life Alex came out, and that game like set the standard for what VR game should be, and was like, wow, this is really exciting. And then no more games since then. And like VR, like with the Oculus Quest Two and stuff like this, have kind of taken this dive into like kind of gimmicky, and they don't really have games, and it's not really supported super well. So the fact that a publisher and company and console developer like sony that has access to all this incredible ip would be is investing heavily in playstation vr and already has a incredible first party studio developing a game for it is very promising for the future of vr um and that's all very exciting but here's the specs playstation vr 2 Compared to all the other VR headsets out there, um, I'll I'll leave the HTC Vive out of it because that's like a thousand plus dollar headset, um, but it almost matches the specs of the HTC Vive. Um, but compared to like the Valve Index, the Oculus Quest Two, and even the previous PlayStation VR, it's pretty substantial. So it has 4K resolution, so it's half of the resolution in each eye. Um, it has HDR using an OLED screen. Um, I don't remember if they said what the refresh rate would be. I would imagine at least 60 frames per second, if not 120 plus. Um, and then it will also use foveated rendering because it has eye tracking. So foveated rendering is the, the concept of your eyes. When you're looking at something in real life, your eye is only focusing detail on what's exactly in front of you and your peripheral vision while there is blurry. Um, And that's what foveated rendering does. So it's able to track the position of your eyes and what you're looking at on the screen and increase the detail of what is being rendered in the game. Um, So you can get, you can have these 4K resolutions. So you have the capability when you're looking at things at really high resolution, but it reduces the strain 
on the console to not constantly be putting out a native 4k for everything on the screen um and i'm interested to see what else they can do with the eye tracking too like how that may or may not be implemented into a game um would be pretty cool uh, but that's pretty exciting. It no longer requires an external camera. Everything, it's fully internally tracked um, with cameras and sensors pointing outwards. So you don't need to buy a separate PlayStation camera accessory, um, which will also help with the it, its actual tracking of your movements because you don't have to stay in view of a camera. Um, it, it can just kind of track from what you're doing. It will have a rumble motor in the headset um and like razor and stuff have done that i would imagine and you can adjust the sensitivity if not turn it off entirely if that's not your thing um but that's kind of interesting and then it basically copied the oculus uh or not oculus the oculus uh hand controller things um which is good because pretty much everyone's like yeah that's kind of the standard for what vr controller should look like and it will have the haptic feedback that's in the dual sense and adaptive triggers um and all those cool fun features so all in all this is shaping up to be a really cool piece of tech that i'm excited about a lot of big claims hope Agreed. it works <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really, all i gotta say <laughs> yeah the, yeah i yep i agree yep the i what did you call it like focal focusing foveated rendering yeah that Sounds like it could easily be a clown fiesta on release if they don't have it down well. So I'm just <laughs> that, imagine eye tracking yeah. not working. You look over and it's just pitch black or some shit like that. I mean, not that <laughs> bad, right? But like, uh, yeah, if it stops working, that would be really aggravating and really jar you out of the experience really quickly. I mean, that could really ruin a lot of people's perception. And first, uh, first impressions are really important, especially with new tech like this. So, yeah. Yeah, I could see this imploding, but I have faith. So, I mean, eye tracking is pretty good. I will definitely say that. So I, I still have faith that it's going to work out, but I could see it going real bad real quick. Yeah, it's so we we will see. Time will tell. But <laughs> I I will certainly if it is the price of the console or less, I will attempt to pre-order it. Um, if it's any more expensive than that, uh, I'm, I'm going to wait and see. But um, I think for those specs, if it's at the $500 mark or less, that's something I would be interested in. Um, so we'll see. But I'm very hyped for it. If VR is like the next thing that's like really exciting, like the DualSense controller is a really good um, evolution of the controller design, but it's not revolutionary. VR changes a lot of things and it's cool like thinking about driving games like sitting in the cockpit and being able to turn your head and look around the car and look it makes that much more realistic and there's lots of really cool like half-life alex did some really cool things with vr and like horror games in vr are really cool it's a cool concept that no one seems to be able to nail down so i think it's just hard to not there's not many games that i think i'd really want in vr in the first place you know like, I feel like people always view Blanket like, oh, if it was VR, it would be better. But, like, how much are you actually getting in return from making a game VR for a lot of games? Seems like it would be pretty small. It's like, I mean, maybe, like, God of War Ragnarok could do some weird crap, right? You know, not that they're going to do it, right? But, like, I don't know. But something, like, where you have melee combat, you could do something cool. But for, like, a shooter or something like that, I don't think I'd really ever care in a shooter if it's VR. Rocket League should be VR, though. That would be great. <laughs> Everyone starts puking constantly. Oh, my God. You would actually throw up so much in that game if you had the first person drive that. But, yeah, it's. I think that's where it seemed like, because watching Half-Life Alex and the gameplay, they seem like they made it fit really well and feel really organic and interesting. Um, but, yeah. It's just a weird thing with the space because I definitely think it kind of warrants a different genre of game. You know, like you don't have yeah. to make every game VR, but there are games that would fit well. So, we'll which it, and to that point, it's a it's promising that they're not saying Horizon Forbidden West will be VR. That they announced it as its own separate experience, um, yeah, and acknowledging that it is different. And I think I think PSVR, the original one, does this too, where most games you can play in VR um, to some extent. 
Um, and it's a little bit easier for developers to kind of flip a switch to allow you to maybe have some tracking, like adjust how your character is moving and stuff. And I think Resident Evil 7 came out with a VR, um, which is really cool where you can like peek around corners and you can like shoot through holes and certain things. Like when it actually allows you to interact more naturally with the environment, I think that's pretty cool. And especially in a horror game, like talk about amping the horror, like, yeah. Or mm-hmm. VR, that that is a genre that I would definitely play. Oh, I would definitely I think, watch you play it for sure. Yeah, I think I would have to like sit on the toilet while I do it, so I don't <laughs> ruin my jimmies. But as that, it'd be pretty fun. So I don't know. That's exciting. But before I get into kind of the the hardware unveilings um, that happened at CES, I did want to. I, I put it in the title of the the video, the stream, um, Mazda. So. This is going full tech, no gaming. Um, so plug your ears if you don't want to hear anything that's not gaming. Uh, but I thought this was really cool. And it's tech and that's it's tech news. So It's our podcast. We don't have to warrant anything. <laughs> so Mazda has something called kinematic posture control in their MX-5, also known as the Miata, their two-door sports car. Um, and why I think it's really cool is it's a technology that was originally used in f1 and i think it's since been banned in f1 um but what it effectively is kinematic posture control it's like i i have a thousand guesses as to what that actually is but when you are turning a car and you're trying to go fast obviously you want to be able to turn sharper um going faster but there are limits to grip so you have to slow down to get a tighter turn when you're doing that but what kinematic posture control does is i think this supposedly helps reduce body roll in turns as well which is probably why it's called posture control but let's say you're turning left it'll apply brakes to the left rear wheel um, to help kind of drag the car and turn or pivot around that access um, and give you now dragging is extreme it's not like locking up the rear yeah wheel i don't think it might be like some kind of abs or something like that um and it does it in a way that supposedly i guess doesn't overly degrade the brake and the calipers and the um pads and all that kind of stuff but i just thought that was cool like one of those little innovations you think so in in f1 mercedes a few years ago um created the ability to change the the toe i think of the the wheels based on if you're pushing in or pulling out the steering wheel um and having toe in different orientations is better for going straight or turning and all these kind of things so it's advantageous to be able to change that on the fly most of the time when you're driving and racing it you just set up your toe and camber to race and that that's what it is but they they created an innovative way to have something you're already interacting with the steering wheel and figure out how to how to change that input it's just crazy cool technology i love that shit just wanted to share it with the world so i'm just always impressed that with any like smart car tech like that it's easy to think about how if it fails how bad it could go but for some reason like software and cars i don't know if they just have like a quintillion fail safes or how they're doing it but it is always really impressive to me how low i mean i like never hear of fails like that that are like software oriented and cars to be fair i'm not super involved maybe you've heard of a bunch but like um they certainly don't make like major headlines from my experience very often and i would expect a lot more failures to occur with stuff like i mean even like lane assist and stuff like that or the adaptive cruise control i mean i was just expecting a million cars on adaptive cruise control to just turbo slam into whatever it was in front of it so <laughs> so it's it's interesting you bring that up so for those of you listening who don't know i work as a quality engineer in the aerospace industry and um the I, I was talking with someone, actually one of our quality fellows who came from the automotive industry, kind of about the differences between quality and aerospace and automotive. And it it is, they're both industries where quality is impeccably important because they can impact the lives of people. Um, but in the automotive industry, there's an even greater need for perfect quality because in the aerospace industry, there are fail safes on fail safes on redundancies on redundancies because the risk of failure is much greater uh, or not the risk of failure the 
the result of failure is a much greater yeah, cost. cost. Um, so there's just constant redundancies and redundancies built in. And for each of those things, the, the potential of failure has to be like a billionth of a percent and all this kind of stuff. Um, so if you're talking about like a black box that has circuit cards in it being off by half a millimeter or something like that, that's something that's like w- within a, a reasonable perspective but on a car there are very few fail safes and backup systems like your brakes are your brakes now oftentimes there will be separate cylinders for maybe the front and the rear so there's a little bit of redundancy there and you might have a cable attached to the your parking brake or your emergency brake that gives you some additional so there's some fail safes there but like steering you you got the one steering wheel and you got the one steering system and that uh my my stepdad actually recently um he has an older car and he he works on them and stuff but he was having some steering issues where he'd be driving along and all of a sudden the steering wheel would just lock up and wouldn't turn um so that's a that's a real thing that can happen he has, he has since gotten a fix don't worry um but uh the I don't even know what the point I'm making, but basically the the redundancy. So the attention to quality is much, much greater focus on it because um, the likelihood of failure, like since there's less redundancies of fail safes, the the margin of error is that's allowable is much lower in the automotive industry. Um, And so going back to that and, and those types of systems failings and stuff is I would have to imagine that there's probably a lot of, um, testing that that goes into it and, and things of thinking of fail state so if it were to fail that it would fail in a non-catastrophic way it would fail open like it yeah. wouldn't fail to clamp on the brake kind of thing so which it would be difficult to fail under hydraulic pressure but yeah i don't know mazda might find a way who knows <laughs> oh no buddy there's yeah, your i just think it's impressive for the day my experience with software reliability has only been unpleasant, so much respect. Much respect. That's all. Um, yeah, so now getting back to uh, the gaming hardware, which could also be used for things that aren't necessarily gaming, but we're gamers here, so we care about it as gaming hardware. We'll start with AMD and their CES showcase. Um, so they announced the Ryzen 6000 series laptop uh, CPUs. So it seems that now they are going to every thousand is a laptop, desktop, laptop, desktop. So like Ryzen 1000, 2000, and 3000, I think it was like maybe the 2000 series and or the 3000 were also the same for the laptop, like nomenclature. But then they did... So Ryzen 3000, oh, and then 4000 was the same architecture as the Ryzen 3000 laptop CPU. So then they bumped up to Ryzen 5000 was the next desktop CPU. And so Ryzen 6000 is the like laptop skew of that. And there are also 5000 series. I think you can get in laptops too. It's It just makes everything confusing about what's what architecture and what really matters and stuff. Um, but bottom line, 6000 series is laptop CPUs specifically. Um, but they were talking about adding the RDNA 2 GPU architecture to their APUs. So these Ryzen 6000 series CPUs will come with essentially the Radeon graphics. Um, it's not like a full-on discrete, but they did have, they actually come with ray tracing hardware accelerators built into them as well um and they showed far cry 6 running at 1080p medium settings at 60 frames per second um using their uh i forget their fidelity super fx um which is basically their form of dlss which is essentially taking a lower resolution image and using ai to make it a higher resolution image so blah 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 lots of techno mumbo jumbo there but uh the the fact that an apu was running a brand new AAA title at 1080p 60 frames per second even at medium graphical settings is pretty bonkers um yep. so 
That's awesome. And they will support USB 4.0, DDR5 memory, PCIe Gen 4, and have Wi-Fi 6E and Bluetooth 5.2 capability. So... Am I just dumb, or did I just miss when USB 4.0 became a thing? It, like, just happened. Um, okay. And I, I also was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and I was like, uh, this isn't a typo, I'm sure, but, like, literally haven't heard of it until, until we were talking before the podcast, so... <laughs> BCIE Gen 5 is a thing, too, and it feels like we just hit 4, so I don't know anymore. Tech is crazy, um, but... Uh, the newest gen of graphics cards just started using PCI Gen 4. So I imagine PCI Gen 5 will be mostly for chipset lanes, um, helping the CPU speak faster with like USB 4.0 and be able to use the full bandwidth there and that kind of stuff. But uh, pretty exciting. So cool, cool new laptop CPUs and potential to have some really powerful, thinner, lighter, more power efficient um laptops and they definitely touted like efficiency and stuff like that when they were talking about them i don't really care about that because they will make the graphs seem more impressive than they are in reality um but that that particular one that that apu was capable of running far cry 6 and it supports those newer technologies pretty cool um they also unveiled uh the radeon rx 6500 xt so that's their discrete gpu for desktops it's their kind of low end kind of like think like the 50 series for nvidia um it'll be 200 and release on january 19th um and it's aimed for being able to play modern games at 1080p high settings um and i initially was and i still am skeptical that it'll be available but one of the reasons GPUs are so hard to find is cryptocurrency mining. And this GPU, in an interview with AMD, they confirmed that it was specifically designed to be bad at mining cryptocurrency. Um, so it only has four gigabytes of VRAM, um, but they like they're using a faster vram and that has less compute units but they're clocking them really high so like all of these things apparently having more compute units in vram is beneficial to cryptocurrency but they're able to reduce those while keeping performance at a comparable level um and so it might actually be something that at least the cryptocurrency people won't be trying to get. And these are like the affordable GPUs. So like, please, God, if you're going to scalp, like scalp and make the, the rich people who are already going to buy a $700 GPU pay a couple hundred dollars more. But like people that are looking to get a $200 GPU, don't make those people pay $500. Like, my God. That's just mean. That's rude. I agree. I think the whole thing's rude, though. <laughs> I mean, for sure, it's 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 effed up, as the kids like to say. Um, that's pretty interesting. They also announced the Ryzen Seven Fifty Eight Hundred X Three D. So I recently upgraded my PC to the Ryzen Seven Fifty Eight Hundred X CPU, and the Three D is they talked about it's basically rather than spreading out more cash on the actual die they can stack the cash in the the y-axis now and so that allows them to have more uh cash um for the cash c-a-c-h-e not c-a-s-h <laughs> not more money although they'll probably get more money from it um but cash is one of the things that is a limiting bottleneck factor for a lot of cpus so they effectively doubled or they they some crazy increase in the the amount of cash that they're able to have because they're able to stack it so that's why it says 5800x 3d specifically so they'll still at least for a while i'm sure you'll be able to buy 5800x but it won't have that 3d um cash on there and it actually was outperforming the 5900x in 1080p gaming by like i think 10 to 15 percent average increase in performance um which is nuts so it's the, the cpu that's typically slotted above it it was performing better and because of that increase in cash um at 1080p again remember higher resolutions gpu limited but um and so it's nice. also faster than the new intel 12900k so the real reason they're doing it is because it's a stopgap to reclaim the fastest gaming processor title back from Intel that recently sold it with the 12th gen um, 
Intel CPUs. But that's why competition's great, people. Back and forth, it forces people to actually put out good products. So, yippee ki And finally, they teased the new Ryzen Zen 4 processor. So, Zen 1 was the Ryzen 1000 and yeah just the 1000 series then they went to zen 2 for the 2000 and 3000 and then the 5000 series is zen 3 and so zen 4 will use a 5 nanometer uh transistor process um we'll have pcie gen 5 ddr5 we'll be able to do an all core clock to 5 gigahertz um and we'll use a new lga socket um okay. so clock speed has been kind of where amd lags behind intel but their instructions per clock have always been really good which keeps them competitive with intel um but five gigahertz is really freaking fast for a cpu and so for them to be claiming that they'll get to a five gigahertz all core boost clock um is pretty cool stuff considering their instructions per clock are already impressive and those will probably increase as well um and typically they have a PGA pin grid array. So the actual CPU has pins coming off of it and they slot into the motherboard. Intel has used an LGA for a long time where the pins are on the motherboard and there's like pads, conductive pads on the, the CPU. And that's what AMD will be going to and transitioning to. So they did have five years of support for the AM4 socket as they promised um, and coming out second half of 2022, which probably means the, the towards the end of the year. Uh, we can expect to start seeing the new Ryzen Zen 4, probably 7000 series CPUs. So, Do you know why they switched to the LGA? I have no idea why they switched to LGA. Perfect. Um, I, I did hear someone say that it kind of, for RMA requests, probably pushes it more to the motherboard because the typically what's going to happen if you're going to do damage to something is you're going to break a pin um so if you now have the pins on the motherboard you break a pin <laughs> it's the motherboard's problem not the not amd's yeah. problem so and i think that's fair and and also on a motherboard the, the pins are better protected um when you're holding a cpu like you set it down wrong or drop it like you're going to break those pins if you drop a motherboard with pins on it you probably aren't going to break the pins unless it falls like on like a a nail that's like poking up into the socket or something um so I, I think overall it's just a better design for that but i can't imagine that that's like the main reason why maybe it is i would but who knows manufacturing cost material you know the usual you know and then finally NVIDIA had an incredibly, incredibly underwhelming presentation um they did announce the 3050 uh which will be 250 dollars 50 dollars more than amds but again nvidia has dlss the deep learning super sampling which is better than amds fidelity fx super resolution stuff um so you may be getting a little bit better in there nvidia's ray tracing cores are a little bit better but when you're at that low end of the gpu side really not going to be using ray tracing because it's a really expensive thing to turn on blah 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 back and forth who cares available january 27th and uh okay big whoop will that one be available i don't know but like cool hopefully hopefully it is available for people to pick up and stuff but uh time will tell and then they announced that they will be having rtx 3080 ti or tie depending on who you're talking to um discrete gpus that will be coming out in uh gaming laptops this year um so woohoo very expensive i think they start the laptops with them start at 1500 so if you i mean they're they're you're not going to get a lot of other features when you're paying that much for laptop with a 3080 ti but if you can get a 3080 ti mobile processor which is probably at least as good as a 3070 ti if not a 3080 in a laptop for 1500 yeah that's crazy that's that's nuts um and then they tease the 3090 ti because Ooh. why the hell not you know just fuck off nvidia and they quietly just announced the 3080 12 gigabyte 
So the 3080, I think, comes with 10 gigabytes of memory. Um, but this 3080 12 gigabyte has a few more compute units turned on and has two more gigabytes of memory, but specifically the memory bandwidth is increased. Um, so it's not just two gigabytes more, it's actually the actual effective bandwidth is even greater than that. Um, so it should produce a good performance bump and slot somewhere in between the regular 3080 and the 3080 Ti, because why not add more SKUs and numbers and in a semiconductor shortage, start throwing more shit onto a graphics card, because why the hell not? And uh, if you can't tell, I am not a fan of NVIDIA, even though if I were to get the opportunity, I might buy an NVIDIA graphics card because they do have the better one. Um, but uh, yeah, and that was all that I really cared about at uh, CES. I do one other just quick thing I'll throw out there. Uh, some news outlet, I don't remember who it was, calculated what the value of all of the PlayStation Plus games that were given out for free in 2021 was. And so for those of you who don't know, if you subscribe to PlayStation Plus to play online with PlayStation, it's $60 a year if you're paying full price. Um, so much cheaper than Game Pass. And uh, But you don't get like the subscription of like all of these games available to you all the time, but they do give you free games. And this year there were actually a lot of really good free games this month right now, dirt five, a game I had purchased a couple months previously is free. Uh, they came out with control ultimate edition. I think Metro Exodus, like there was some really solid titles this year and some unique ones as well. Um, and if you were to purchase all the games, when this survey was taken. So sometime in December, they looked at the PlayStation store to see if I bought every one of these games that was given out for free, how much would it cost? And it was over $1,400, um, which is pretty nuts. It's a definitely framing the data to make it sound yeah. crazy. Um, but I, I don't think it's that far off of the value you get. Cause like I said, there were lots of really high quality games that they, um, gave to you. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty, pretty neat. So uh, a way that PlayStation Plus can somewhat compete with Game Pass, and it's cheaper. So yeah, when Xbox started doing the free games originally, it'd be like, oh, we're giving you three free games a month or whatever, but they're all going to be the worst titles that no one plays, and we just need to bump up their play rates. So, I mean, they've been doing a good job for a while, like you're saying, like the titles that they're releasing are actually popular titles that people play and people enjoy. So. Yeah. I, I I like the fourteen hundred. I'm okay with that framing when it's actually okay yeah. games. If it's like fourteen hundred for me to play like Arc Evolution or whatever that stupid dinosaur <laughs> game was, then that's like I'm not gonna play that. That was a PS Plus game at some point. I don't know if it was in twenty twenty one, but I'm pretty sure I picked that up as a PlayStation Plus game. But um Yeah. Supposedly PlayStation is working on a Game Pass competitor. Um Pretty sure you said that months ago, and I was like, okay. Yeah, excuse me. But uh, yeah, it's like, who cares at this point? Until it, until it materializes, I mean, that's really how things should be, until it materializes. It's, it's, it's interesting to get excited for. Um, that's why pre-ordering is not usually a good idea, even though I do it, because I'm dumb. I say, don't do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Um, most of the time I've talked about this before. I don't normally get burned. I'm usually pretty selective about the titles I pre-order. Um, but in this case, Forza Horizon 5 burned me. Burned me real good. I mean, after Forza Horizon 4, what did you expect? At least I that level of goodness. This, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, re they regressed somehow. Yeah. They could have re-released Forza Horizon 4 and it would have been better. Yeah, don't change the game code. Literally just change the world and it would have been like, wow, I love it. But they had to yep. go and try to make things better. Dummies. Losers. And hey, don't get me wrong. They did improve in a lot of ways, but it's also pretty broken in some ways. So sounds like enough to make it not good. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Someday it might be good. And I'll let you know when that day happens. Thank you. You're welcome. But that's all I had. That's I mean, I, I had a couple other things, but not important enough to bring up at this point. And uh, for those of you wondering, uh, yeah, we still haven't talked about soundtracks, but uh, I think we're getting there. 
I think now that we've caught up on tech news, I think we might actually be able to talk about soundtracks next week. So, yeah, I mean, we can always talk about them, but we are an hour and five minutes. Yeah, not not today, <laughs> but it'll happen. And I do want to say that Deathloop soundtrack will be jumping onto the bracket Ooh. and dethroning one of them. I just and I will tell you. So my it will be one of these two, either Dying Light or Skyrim. Um, will be removed from the bracket to make way for Goodbye, Deathloop. Dying Light. We'll see. Calling I it. calling it right now. I've listened to the Dying Light soundtrack. I've listened to most of the Deathloop soundtrack, and obviously just played the game, so it's fresh in my mind. Um, but Skyrim, I really haven't delved into. It seems like it should be good, but I don't know. Maybe the soundtrack's just kind of meh. We'll see. Who knows? Let me know in the comments. Is Skyrim good? I don't know. Never heard of it. Yeah, after we talked about Dying Light, I forgot when, the soundtrack, and you were like, oh, it all sounds the same, and I was like, oh, well, it's been a while since I listened to it. Nah. Don't care if it's nostalgia or what it is. Still <laughs> goes hard. <laughs> I love it, so. All right, well, we'll stay we'll tuned. See. We'll see, we'll see. Even if it does get eliminated, we'll still talk about it, so stay yeah. tuned for when we talk about Dying Light. But Juicy? I, I I guess, yeah. Uh, follow us on Instagram, YouTube. Check us out. Leave comments. Let us know what you think. PSVR 2, is that exciting? I, I think it is. Do you think it is? What game are you most excited for in 2022? Were any of those uh, tech things that I talked about at CES exciting to you? Let me know. Who uh, knows? Does the Mazda posturing uh, seem interesting to you? Do you like cars? <laughs> Let me know. But uh, yeah. Uh, follow us. Leave comments, likes. All that good stuff. We'll catch you in the next one. Now you can say it. Juicy. Juicy. <laughs>